If I were to ask you what's the most well-known Bible verse, what would you say? Undoubtedly, it would be John 3.16. Hi, this is Edwin Crozier with the Franklin Church of Christ, and I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we open our Bibles and study from John chapter 3 and verse 16 and take a look at God's powerful love for this world. Open your Bible and study along. Perhaps the most famous Bible verse known to our society would be John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We all know this verse. But sometimes I fear that because most of the time we hear this verse in the context of others arguing against baptism, that perhaps we might lose sight of how extremely powerful this verse really is. And therefore, tonight, I'd like for us to examine what this verse says about God's love for the world. But I want us to take it a step further. I want us to remember that our goal is to be like God. And as we examine this verse, and as we see God's love for the world, and what it caused Him to do, I want us to think about ourselves, and ask if we so love the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I am convinced that if we allow the power of this verse to sink into our hearts, and follow the example that God has set for us, all of the goals that we have regarding evangelism, all the goals that we have regarding saving the lost, those will become just second nature to us if we grasp the power of this. And therefore, I just want us to begin by taking each phrase one at a time. For God so loved the world. Allow that statement just to sink in for just a moment. For God so loved the world. That is, the people of the world. This is not a contradiction of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. We'll remember that in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, John said, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. There in 1 John chapter 2, as it talks about loving the world, it's talking about loving worldliness over spiritualness. Following the things of the world instead of the things of the Spirit. But in John chapter 3 and verse 16, when it says that God so loved the world, it's not talking about the world or the worldly things. It's talking about the people that inhabit the world. For God so loved the world. When God looked down upon this world that He loves, what did He see? He saw sinners. He saw liars. He saw thieves. He saw murderers. He saw adulterers and idolaters. He saw homosexuals. He saw the arrogant and the prideful. He saw the legalistic. And yet, despite all of that, He loves the world. He saw what Paul described in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, where he says, And you, this is Paul writing, and he's writing to the Ephesians, but he's writing to us. 
And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. These are the people that God saw when He looked down at the world, and they were us. And yet God so loved the world. How did God look upon all of this? I think we find in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, we see Jesus, God in the flesh, here on the earth, looking around at these masses, the same kinds of people. And in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 36, it says that seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited. Excuse me, like sheep without a shepherd. When God looked down on this world and He saw all of us sinners, He didn't see people that He wanted to cast into hell. He didn't see people that He wanted to wipe out. He saw people that He wanted to shepherd. He had compassion. And He had love. And if God so loved the world, we striving to be like God, our role model, ought to follow in His footsteps. And so the question is, do we love the world? Do we love these people? Do we love people that look different than we do? Do we love people that come from a different culture than we come from? Do we love people that look just a little bit weird and they're not a bit like us? Do we love the folks that are out there sinning? These are the folks that God saw and these are the folks that God loved like us. And the question is, do we so love the world? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 I say to you in Matthew 5 and verse 44, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. For God so loved the world. But His love was not just an emotion. His love was not just an action. The text points out that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God translated His love into action. John described it also in one of his letters in 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4. Beginning in verse 9, John writes there in his first letter, chapter 4 and verse 9, "...by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins." God loved this world so strongly that He gave this ultimate of sacrifices. 
I am not sure that we can fully comprehend the relationship and the fellowship that was maintained and is maintained between the Son and the Father there in heaven. And that the nature of that relationship being so strong and divine and heavenly, something that we just can't grasp, I imagine that we can't then fathom what it must have been like for the Father to send the Son down here into this world. And then on the cross, because of our sins, to be completely separated from it. Because God cannot look on sin. I'm not sure we can imagine what that was like. And yet that is what God was willing to do. Because He looked down and He so loved the world. His love was so strong that He was willing to go through that. Paul talked about it also in Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6. He wasn't doing this for people who deserved it. It says, while we were still helpless... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. What a strong love, that is. What a sacrifice God was willing to make. And so now I want you to consider those people we were talking about just moments ago and ask, do we love them that strongly? I'm afraid that at times it might become very easy for us to get into an us-them mentality. Well, sure, God sent His Son for us. But for those different, weird, those sinful people that we were talking about just moments ago, surely not. Surely Jesus didn't die for them. Almost as though He expected that kind of mentality God inspired through John in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. This reminder... In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. He died for all of them. Us and them. Which is really all just us, because we're in the same boat. That's how strongly He loves. Do we love that strongly? God loved so strongly, He was willing to give His Son to the world. Do we love them strongly enough to take the message of His Son to them? In Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. Paul wrote, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. How then will they call on Him in whom they haven't believed? How will they believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. God so loved that He sent His Son. Do we love enough to take the message of His Son to those for whom His Son died? 
whether they're different from us, whether they look a little odd to us, whether they do strange things and have odd habits, or maybe they're just a little too worldly for us. Well, imagine that. They're in the world. What do we expect from them? They're right where we were. And yet God loved us. We ought to love. God so loved the world that He was willing to sacrifice. What are we willing to sacrifice to get this message of salvation to them? Time? Money? Efforts? Any of our nights out of the week? Perhaps some relationships? What are we willing to sacrifice because we love the world? God was willing to sacrifice because He loved us. And God, thirdly, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And it had a goal. God didn't so love the world and give His only begotten Son so that we might be healthy. God didn't love the world so much and give His only begotten Son so that we might be wealthy. God did not love the world and give His only begotten Son so that we might be entertained. God did not love the world and give His only begotten Son so that we might have our hunger filled. God did not love the world and send His Son to do anything except save us. That was His goal. So that whoever would believe on Him would have life. And brethren, that's what we're doing. That's what this is all about. It's about granting life to those who are dead. We were dead. Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember the guilt that you felt that caused you to realize how much you needed Jesus? There are folks out there that have that same thought and feeling. And we need to love them enough to get that message out to them so that they can have life. Interestingly, if you keep reading there in John chapter 3, verse 17, For God did not send the Son, it goes on to say, God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. When Jesus came into the world, He didn't come in to judge. Now, I recognize there's going to be a time when Jesus comes back as judge, but I just want you to keep in mind that when Jesus came into this world, in His incarnation, He came to give life. And we've got to love the world enough to be willing to sacrifice for them, to take this message to them out of the same motivation. But what is our motivation when we take the Gospel to folks? Is it a desire to give them life? Now, please don't misunderstand me. I recognize that when we take the gospel message to folks, there are going to be times when we have to condemn sin. Many times. There are going to be times when we have to judge doctrine and teaching. There are going to be times when we have to say hard things and draw the dividing line between truth and error. But my question right now is, what is our motivation when we go out to take this gospel message to people? Is our motivation to make sure to put everybody else in their place? Is our motivation to go out and explain everything that everybody else is doing wrong? 
is our motivation so that we can go out and let everybody else know, look over here, we're right, y'all are wrong, we're going to heaven, y'all are going to hell? Or is our motivation the fact that we have the life-giving gospel right here that takes souls who are lost in sin, dead in trespasses, and can wash those sins away and bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ because we're not trying to put them in their place, but because we're trying to put them in God's place. Because we want them to go to heaven and have their sins forgiven. Jesus came to give life. And that's what our goal needs to be. To pass off life. We have to let them decide whether or not they'll listen. And there will certainly be times when we have to judge righteous judgment and not cast our pearls before swine and turn around and walk away. And yet, what is our goal? What is our motivation? Jesus' goal was to give life. That's how much He loved us. And that's how much we need to love the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that just a powerful message? Sometimes, I know personally, I think in the midst of all that we do as a church and all the things that I like to see happen, sometimes I forget what great message we're sitting on here. And lose sight of what, sometimes, what, what this is just all about. And everything that we do is about glorifying God because He so loved the world. The question for us is God so loved the world? Do we? I hope this look at John 3.16 has been helpful to you. Let's remember what we've learned here. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let that verse sink in. God so loved the world. Do we? If someone's given you this tape or the CD, let me encourage you to go to our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there, and you're free to download any of them that you want. We have the audio versions and the outline formats as well. Please use them in whatever way that is beneficial to you spiritually and will glorify our God in heaven. If you have any questions about God, about His love, about His plan for our salvation, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or again, go to our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.